praise God. It's a joy to share God's word with you once again. This morning, my heart goes out to the minister, the man of God. And oft times, when men of God mess up, they're ostracized and cut off. Someone said that the only army that leaves its wounded for dead is the Christian army. And the life of a minister in no way is easy. Many of us ministers, we falter, we fail. And because we falter and fail in so many ways, we give up. But God is always a God of second chance. We might give up on ourselves. Our families might give up on us. On us. The church might give, on, give up on us. But God never ever gives up on you and I. And more so, His ministers. Ministers are not perfect people. Yes, like you, they falter, they fail. But like you, though they falter and fail, deep within them there's a cry for forgiveness and restoration. And I want to say to you, church, this morning, if you know of men of God that have faltered and failed, don't this morning point the accusing finger. As small as the hand is, it is so powerful. As a young man, growing up in Cape Town, being small and puny, puny, I had to learn the art of fighting. And I've learned one thing. As a young man, as I grew up, whenever I tried to wrestle someone with grips and that, I always lost the fight. But whenever I shaped myself up as my father who was a boxer and I used my fist and my head, I always won the fight. Whenever I wrestled, I lost the fight. And what I'm saying to you is this. There's a fight against ministers that not only is coming from the camp of the enemy, but there's a fight against ministers that are coming from the very church itself. Instead of lifting up the minister who has fallen from grace, the church is further knocking down the minister. And many take a delight in it. I said when I fought as a young man, and I'm not proud of it. By the way, the first fight I ever had as a young man. I, I, I had two brothers that were strong men. They were fishermen, and boy, could they fight. And they both used their head. They both were masters in headbutting. And when I had my first fight, I thought I'd be like them. And I butted this young guy, and you know what? I butted myself unconscious, not the guy. <laughs> Ooh, 
What a way to start a, 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 a fighting career, knocking yourself unconscious. <laughs> but to get back to the first, it's small. You know, when the hand, when the hand is clinched and closed, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. It has power to knock a person down. And I'll never, never forget my brother-in-law, Percival Megram, who I love so much, who is a growing evangelist. When he was a little boy, oh, I tease him, I used to slap him up and rough him up. And um, he grew up, and there was a day I was going to rough him up and clap, you know. And he said to me, hey, 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 Joe, 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 boy. Those were the days I'm no more that little boy. He says, I'm a grown man now. And you know what, Joe? I'll give you two punches on your head. One on your head and one where your head was. Oh, we had such a good laugh. <laughs> but that's the power of a fist. It can knock a person down when it's closed. But you know, when the hand is open and it stretched forth to a fallen man or a fallen woman or a fallen servant of God, it has the power to lift them up on their feet again. So this is my intention this morning, to share from the Word of God. I don't think I'll complete the teaching on Jonah, but I want to show you that God is a God of second chance. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Jonah. And we read from verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid for the fare thereof, and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleep? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said everyone to his fellow, Come, and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, for I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. 
very often our names carry forth deep spiritual meaning. Jonah means a dove. Jonah speaks of gentleness, consideration, care, and love for others. And it's sad to say that many of us as Christians have names that we don't live up to. Our actions are far removed from the meanings of our names. In my mind, Jonah was not a gentle man. In my mind, Jonah was a very vindictive man. In my understanding, as I study the life of Jonah, I find him to be a nationalist. He's one who thinks of his own. He's for himself. He's not for others. Yes, he was of the chosen of God. He was an Israelite, a Jew. And he was a prophet of God, set aside to make known the mind and the heart of God. And herein lies the folly of so many of us as Christians. We called of God. And many of us just want to convey the mind of God to people and not the heart of God. And the greatest men of God are not only those men of God that convey the mind of God, but rather those that express the heart of God as well. You cannot minister to people unless you love them. Because if you don't love them, your ministry will be that of condemnation. And many of us, as ministers, when we begin our ministries, that's the role we take. We want to echo the mind of God. We are the prophets of God. All that we do is command and demand. But our ministries are not seasoned with love. Jonah was a prophet. But, what, but he was for himself and his own. He was a nationalist. I had the terrible experience in growing up during the apartheid era. This era divided people, divided families. And it's not good that we remind ourselves of the past, but for the sake of teaching, those that propagated and practiced apartheid, they were but for themselves. All we saw there was whites only, whites only, whites only, whites only, whites only. They had the blessings. They had the cream. They had the cake and the cherry. They had everything. And most of the people other than the whites in South Africa were ostracized and marginalized. And the party that brought in this horror of apartheid was known as the National Party. But sad to say, although they were known as the National Party, 
they only saw one party as national, and that was the white man. Even the English white had a problem with the Afrikaner white. Nationalism, as far as I am concerned, is a terrible thing. Jonah was a nationalist. His life was only for the Jew. He felt exclusive. He was the chosen of God. He was the apple of God's eye. God had elevated him as a Jew. And he was always to look down upon the Gentile. But God was setting forth principles of truth. Not only as found in the New Testament, but also as found in the Old Testament. God was bringing an understanding to his ministers in our modern day age, but from the time of Jonah, that God so loved the world. Yes, there are those who stand head and shoulders above the others as nations, but God is for all nations. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jonah, the dove, the gentleman, whose heart was vindictive towards others, was called of God to go to Nineveh, the Assyrians. And this man turned his back not only on God, but he turned his back upon the creation of God. The first lesson that I want to speak of concerning Jonah is the evidence of love. I think that the greatest evidence of love is obedience. No wonder the word of God says, if you love me, obey me. And this is something we have to learn as men of God, as people of God. God is going to call us to do certain things that we don't like doing. But because we are his servants and we have no mind of our own, we have to heed the command of God. And by heeding the command of God, it is evidence that we truly love God. But Jonah, was Jonah's love sincere for God? Or was Jonah's calling above his call? Or his love for God? Did Jonah esteem his nation more than the will of God? Surely he did. And this is what so many of us have a problem with in our day and age. I don't say I question it. But whenever I hear certain cultures say that I've got a calling to my people, I'm not saying that they're wrong. But the understanding that I get from God's word is that we always put others first. And, 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 and let me say it, and I might make some enemies, and I don't want to make enemies, but I've got to say it. In our modern day, every Dick, Tom and Harry, every minister is an apostle. But my God, they haven't left their own church and they're already calling themselves apostles. Apostles are men and women that are on the move for God. 
They go into other nations. They establish in churches all over the world. And the command, the command, the command, the command is going into all the world. I, 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 I feel that one of the areas that we are failing in as a church is going into the world. You know, uh, we, we, we build up a work, Ian, that's so strong and so powerful. We lack nothing. We've got all these buildings. You know what, Ian? When you come to a certain time in the ministry, do you know, Ian, it's a time of handing over it's a time of raising throughout your ministry. It's a time of raising sons and raising sons to your level and even beyond your level. The Elijah and Elisha principle must be prominent in your ministry. Your sons must outgrow you. Your sons must go further than where you have gone. Elijah performed 16, but Elijah performed 32 miracles. Your sons must outgrow you. And there comes a time that what you work for hard for God's glory, you've got to hand it over to your sons. Don't wait till you die. And I'm of the persuasion that true men of God will give up all what they achieved over the years in their ministry hand it over, and they will travel for God's glory. Yes, that church should still support them. That church should, should still be their home base. But I'm having a problem with so many modern-day apostles. An apostolic ministry is not a resident ministry. If you're in your church, in your church, and you call yourself apostle, and you're not moving out, or you have not moved out, going to other nations and other cultures, then my brother, you're not a, an apostle, you are a pastor. The Bible warns us, and says we mustn't take on ministry lightly. Paul says, judge them if they are apostles or not. But one thing I want to say is this, and I say from the depths of my heart, if we love God, we will obey God. And the great commission is go into all the world. And sometimes God will send us to people that we have no, no love for. People whose cultures are poles apart from yours and mine. God will even send us to our enemies. And the hallmark of a true minister of God is that he goes where God sends him. He has no mind of his own. And Ian, you know in our modern day church, in our modern day church, men of God are reveling in their ministry. Everyone is an apostle today. But notice how Paul and even Peter presents himself. They present themselves, yes, as apostles, but they also present themselves as servants. They, they bring a, a balance to their ministry. They bring a balance. Yes, I, as an apostle, we are sent. But as a servant, I've got no mind of my own. I listen to the dictate, dictates and commands of my Lord and Master. In that sense, I'm a servant.
But in this sense, we can be apostolic. We go where God sends us. Amen. Praise God. I trust that God is speaking to us this morning. God said, go to Nineveh. The Assyrians were the enemy of the Jewish nation. And if we do a study on the Ninevites or the Assyrians, one of the cruelest nations of that time. They used to conquer people. Well, what's the word when you cut people up? Uh -huh. Sorting, uh -huh. cut, cut them up and whatnot. Decapitation. Decapitation and all that. They should decorate the walls of the cities with dead bodies. They were cruel, 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 cruel. No heart whatsoever. And God sends Jonah to this man. Rather to this nation, Nineveh. The other thing that we need to consider about Jonah is this. Other than being a dove and not being gentle. Is that he endeavored to flee from the presence of God. Here is a man of God. Who has constant intimacy with God. A man whose life is, is hinged upon and his ministry for success is hinged upon his communion with God. He's a man that understands that it's vital for him to communicate with God. It's vital for him to understand who God is. And this man that has intimacy with God through prayer and worship and sacrifice, he endeavors to flee from the presence of God. You know what David said? No matter where I go, whether I go north, south, east, west, the presence of God is there. If I go to the furthest ocean, God's presence, God's glory is there. Even if I make my bed in hell, God is there. God's presence is everywhere. How can a man of God who is a minister, who prophesies to God's people, endeavor to escape the presence of God? Verse 3 says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. You cannot run away from the presence of God. And let me say this. And listen to me carefully, people of God. Whenever you turn your back on the will of God, it's not only to your detriment but all those people whom you come into contact with after you try to flee from God, it's also to their detriment. Instead of being a blessing, you will become a curse. Jonah became a curse. 
Jonah became a curse. And if you read chapter 1, I, I, I forgot to highlight chapter 1. And if I'm wrong, forgive me. But whenever a man of God rejects the mind of God, there's only one way he goes. There's only one way he goes. And that is, he goes down. He goes down. If I remember rightly, and I'm normal that young man I used to be, so I can't be wrong. But it says there three times, Jonah went down. Went down. Yes, you might say, I'm playing with words. He went into the, the bow of the ship. Jonah went down. But my friend, this is it. When you're doing the will of God, when you're following the mind and the dictates of, of God, whose servant you are, then my brother, you know your feet might be on terra firma, but spiritually you are in heavenly places. You are in the courts of God. You might be amongst men, but in spirit you're in the courts of God. But when you turn your back on God, when you refrain from doing His will, I'm sad to say, that experience is lost. You're no more in heavenly places. You go down, you go down, you go down. But here's it, my friend. Here's the sad thing. And I'll close here because I will continue next week. Here's the sad thing. When you go down, when you go down, when you go down, turning your back on the will of God, you will drag innocent people down with you. Hear me say it again. You will drag innocent people down with you. Jesus came down that we might go up. Amen. The purpose of being amongst the ungodly is to lift them up. Is but to enrich their life. Those mariners, because of a disobedient man of God, lost everything. I think it's a good place to stop. Though it might sound as if we stop in on a negative note, no, praise God. This portion of scripture has a wonderful ending. But I this morning want to convey to you, servant of God, if you failed God, if you turned your back on God, just reflect over your life. You are God's man. Yes, you failed. God had given you a specific command and he had not heeded that command. And in running away from the presence of God, instead of affecting God's creation's life positively, 
you brought them down as you went down. But man of God, God is calling you back. God is calling you back. God is the God of second chances. Yes, I must admit that the hand of the church is closed unto you. As they found you there in the gutter, they knocked you further into the gutter. But there's an open hand this morning towards you. Glory to God. Every man of God, fallen man of God, there's an open hand this morning to you. It's the hand of King Jesus. And he wants to pick you up and restore you. Give you a mightier anointing than whatever you had before. Come home, my friend. No matter what you've done, the blood will cleanse you. And there are those in the church who have a heart for you. Maybe you won't be able to go back to the church that you were serving in. But there's a church waiting for you. Maybe you cannot go back to the ministry that you were serving in. But hear me, my brother. There's a ministry that God has for you that's waiting for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. Father, I come to you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And I lift your servants up who have faulted and who have failed. I myself have faulted and failed so many times. But I thank you, God, there was never a hand from you that knocked me down. There was never a clenched hand from you. There was always an open hand to lift me up. And I am where I am because of your grace. I'm in a different ministry altogether, God because of your love and grace. And I pray for the Jonas of our time. Bring them home, God. Bring them home, bring them home, bring them home. Give them a greater ministry, I pray. In the name of Jesus. I also pray, God, and Probably I've been misunderstood when I spoke about apostolic ministry. It's not my intent to hurt people. But God, we've got to know the truth because the truth will set us free. Help us to stop glorying in titles. But let us, let us glory in the work. Let us glory in people. Let us love people. Let us love the unlovable. Let us know that the, the, the dunamis of our ministry is with you and with people. So bless this word, God. Bless him and myself. 
we pray for Calvary Apostolic Ministries. And in Jesus' name, we rededicate it to you for your praise, your glory, and your honor. I just sense the presence of God. And my heart goes out to you ministers now that are rebuffed and ostracized and spoken ill of. You feel unwanted in your own church, in your own denomination. But the good news, the good news is God loves you. And no matter what people have done against you, God wants to undo it. And God has faith in you. God believes in you. That's why he's calling you back to the ministry. Come pastor. Come evangelist. Come teacher. Come prophet. Come apostle. Your failure is long gone. It's under the blood. A new ministry awaits you. In Jesus' name.